All right, what's going on, guys? Uh, Sunday night edition of the wrap-up show presented by my friend Eric Lanier at Higher Impact Financial. We're talking about the Aztecs' big win over Utah State on Saturday at Viejas Arena. What an atmosphere, by the way. If you were there, if you were watching, if you were listening, uh, one of the great atmospheres, in my opinion. I mean, the building's been rocking this year. It's been absolutely rocking. They've sold out every game against a Division One opponent this year, but it had an extra level to it yesterday. Like, didn't you guys feel that? I don't know if you felt it on television or on the radio, but if you were there, you felt it. Like, I think the fans, it's such a good fan base. Um, Aztec fans are super knowledgeable. I think they knew the importance of the game. Um, it was such a pivotal game. It was such a pivotal game. It's not the type of game that if you didn't win, you could necessarily immediately overcome. I mean, it would have been hard to overcome knowing what's still to come. If that makes sense. Now, Aztec fans brought it. It was one of my initial takeaways. I talked to Brian Dutcher about it post-game on the radio, and he agreed. I mean, he says the crowd always makes a difference um, and a huge difference. And the Aztecs fans are some of the best in the nation. And, I mean, people were in their seats early. place was loud. Um, tons of standing ovations. Um, just amazing energy. And from the team as well. And we're going to get into it here over the next 30 or 40 minutes. So as you make your way in, if you would not mind subscribing, I have year-round content for Aztec fans, football, basketball, uh, and much, much more. Um, as there is news related to San Diego State, the Mountain West, um, we have it for you. So if you wouldn't mind subscribing, I do appreciate that. You can smash the like button for me. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at John Schaefer. That is J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Um, in addition to that, appreciate the super chats. Great way to support the channel, independent channel. Do this as often as I can. If you want to support, click the dollar sign below the chat box. I'll get to every single super chat. If you want to become a member, get emojis and badges, you can do that as well. This was also announced earlier today. I'm just going to get to this right off the top. This is a partnership with Sons of Montezuma. They do great stuff. They design this. And also with the Mesa Foundation Collective. The Mesa Foundation Collective, for those that don't know, is a collective, NIL collective, that benefits San Diego State men's and women's basketball players. So all of the proceeds from this item, available at sonsofmontezuma.com. I didn't design it. It goes through them, but they do all types of NIL efforts with Mesa and with Aztec Link. This is with the Mesa Collective. If you know this bit, I've been using it for a couple of years. It has to do with analytics after games when they win. I tweet out, you know, San Diego State moves from 20 to 15 or whatever um, in Ken Palm or from 20 to 15 – Let's see. Hold on one second. Um, hold on one second. I'm talking to uh, Jim Russell. I'm supposed to do another show with a uh, Padre show. Um, I'm going to mute him though right now. But yeah, if you know the bit, I've been doing this for a couple of years. When the Aztecs move up in um, in the metrics, I tweet out catapult you. So um, if you want to support, uh, way to support San Diego State student athletes, you can do that. And um, again, there's a link down below. It's also pinned at the top of the chat. So if you want to support, I can explain more of it. If people don't understand it, I can explain it to a greater extent than I've explained it here tonight um, on the wrap-up show. But if you know, you kind of know. Um, and again, all proceeds do benefit the Mesa Foundation. Click the link that is pinned uh, down below in the description or pinned actually in the chat right now. Um, okay, so let's get to this. Um, a lot to react to. I think the initial reaction that I would have um, coming out of the uh, game on Saturday, my initial thoughts coming out of the game on Saturday would be obviously the lineup changes um, and how that paid dividends immediately for San Diego State. Because you know if you've watched San Diego State basketball that it's atypical, I would say, for a lineup change in recent memory. Not that it's um, – unprecedented i mean it's far from unprecedented this has obviously happened but you look at all the successful teams this this you know program has had steve fisher and brian dutcher and all these recent teams and all these ncaa tournament teams and it's not like there are tons of reasons necessarily to make starting lineup changes and they just win at such a high level and get to the ncaa tournament and win regular season titles or tournament titles but you know the colorado state game earlier in the week san diego state got off to that slow start um and obviously you know the dutch has talked about it right through a whiteboard or whatever it was or broke that whiteboard at a media timeout or when he took a timeout um, early in the first half of that game. So the starters didn't play to the level, I think, of expectation coming out of that Colorado State game. And the bench provided really good energy and minutes. And you look at the plus minuses coming out of Colorado State, and a lot of the plus minuses were plus from bench players and minus 
from starters. So they made the shift, um, I think, recognizing that it would probably energize the guys coming off the bench. And also with it being such a big game, um, maybe that would kind of ignite something. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, you start Darion Tramel, who started most of his career, and has had huge moments, obviously, for San Diego State. And I thought he played very well. And then there's Jay Powell, who played brilliantly, I would say, overall yesterday. Um, first half, I mean, five of five from the floor overall. So I thought um, Jay Powell was terrific. I thought uh, DT was, uh, was terrific as well. And then the bench, you know, there's two ways to go with that. I mean, you're putting Micah and Elijah, <coughs> excuse me, I'm fighting something off. Um, you put Micah and Elijah on the bench, and you, how are they going to respond, right? I mean, Micah has been a key contributor and a full-time starter here in 2024. Elijah's second season has been a full-time starter essentially here this year. And how are these players going to um, respond? They responded beautifully. Mike off the bench, hitting a couple of threes, looking energized, had a big block in the game. I thought Elijah was terrific in his second half minutes. Those six, seven, eight minutes he played um, consecutively. Um, I thought he was terrific. Hit that three, uh, had a layup prior to that. That was a big corner three. I forget the score, but it basically put the game out of reach. And hit two threes overall in the game. And then Dutch talked about a post game. He said, I knew the guys that were getting the opportunity to start would be energized. I didn't know what would happen with the guys coming off the bench. But he said, to their credit, they're winners. And they want what's best for the team. And they're willing to put everything else aside for what's best for the team. So I don't know what's going to happen moving forward now that they've made those changes. Will the changes stick? Will they go back to what they had previously? Will it be a combination where one of the new new starters stays? And one of the, I, I just don't know. So I'm not sure what's going to transpire. But I do know this. For 40 minutes and for one afternoon on Saturday, everything worked perfectly. I mean, it worked perfectly. Remember, it was... Um, Probably the first month of the season, there was all this concern. Oh, the San Diego State's bench, you know, they're not getting productivity. Um, it's it's not like the bench from last year when they had these, you know, essentially four full-time starters on the bench in addition to the five starters on the team. And all of a sudden, you've got real depth on this team where oftentimes in the Mountain West, it feels as if San Diego State can now go deeper than its opponents. Um, and I really did feel that a little bit yesterday because we talked mm -hmm. about now you're talking about like this combination of seven starters because you had two newcomers and then two guys to the bench. And then you see what Miles Bird is providing off the bench. You know what Miles Hyde is capable of. He was plus 15 or 16 at Colorado State on Tuesday. So you really are, you know, working with a full complement right now of players and guys that are capable of starting or coming off the bench. And I think overall, I think in the long run, it's going to provide real value here for Brian Dutcher. And I think that um, how they've handled this adversity is very telling and what they did with it here on Saturday at Viejas Arena. Now, what do they do with it? Can they bottle it up? Can they win the next couple of games here on the road? This isn't going to be easy. This is, again, we've talked about this being the teeth of the schedule. I think this seven-game stretch that started with Colorado State, continued with Utah State, now with the Air Force Nevada road trip, home for New Mexico, Colorado State, not in that order, Colorado State, then New Mexico, then at Utah State. To me, that's the teeth of the regular season schedule. But to boil it down even further, this is one of the more challenging weeks of the year. Why? Saturday at home against a really good team, ranked Utah State, and then the quick turnaround for travel to elevation, Air Force, preparing for a team that plays in the manner in which they play. I understand it metrically. You know, they haven't had a good season. And um, but everything that goes into it. Now you got to travel to Colorado Springs. Now you're playing at elevation. Now you're playing in a unique arena. Now you're preparing for the Princeton style offense. Now you know that the three point shot is an equalizer. Um, Air Force, you know, again, only one conference win, but they they won it by 30 something points in Vegas against UNLV. And then from there, so that's Tuesday, not Wednesday. So you, you'd like to have the additional day. You don't have it. And then from there, you play Friday in Reno. So there's a lot of logistics and travel here. They'll play Tuesday, travel back to San Diego. They'll play Friday, of course, travel the day before, and then travel back. So it's like you travel Monday, play Tuesday. You, you get back. You travel Thursday, play Friday. Like it's a, it's a pretty challenging week where you're playing three games in six days. Is that right? From Saturday to Friday with all the travel, right? This isn't professional basketball. So it's going to be a, a tricky is what I would say. Um, and if you can find a way here to manage these next two games – and we'll see. I mean, Reno's not going to be easy. I don't think Air Force is easy. And Dutch talked to me about a post game on the radio saying, you know, it's hard to prepare for Air Force. And the players that have been there before know what they're getting into. You have to play hard 
every single second on the floor because that's how Air Force plays. And you got to really defend. They will shorten that shot clock out. They'll shorten the game in terms of how many possessions are in the game. You're defending for 25, 30 seconds. If they get an offensive rebound, you're just defending for 45 plus seconds. So, you know, it, it's a it's a very um, tricky prep, I guess I would say. And you know, San Diego State's been really good there recently. Obviously, you know, the expectations are the Aztecs are going to win the game, but um, they need to do that, obviously. So we'll see what happens on Tuesday, assuming or hoping that they get by Air Force on Tuesday, then it's Nevada. And the Aztecs look really good against Nevada here at Viejas. Can they do the same on the road? Because we know it's hard to win on the road um, in the conference here in, in 2024. So it's you know, it looked so good yesterday. It really did. You had all those Aztec for Life players in the crowd, the KJ Fagans and the Adam Seikos and so many former players. Um, I thought it was really, really cool to see that. And then you saw the way the team played. And, you know, Utah State came out and they looked like a top 20 team in the country. And then eventually San Diego State just wore them down. Um, Aggies got in some foul trouble in the first half. They had five players with two fouls in the first half. And then San Diego State just looked a step quicker, I thought in the second half and you hold a really efficient offensive team to 67 points and 41% shooting. And I think 38% shooting in the second half and you've done your job. And Utah state is one of the best rebounding teams in the country, not in the conference in the country, top 25 rebounding team plus seven rebounds per game. San Diego state was plus nine. And like Brian Dutcher will always say, I mean, it's defense and rebounding. That's what's going to win in the long run, whether it's, regular season championships or tournament championships. I somehow stumbled into the national championship game um, post game where Dutch was speaking with his team after the UConn game, after the national championship game and on the whiteboard, you've all seen this video. If you're here in all likelihood on the whiteboard was um, I think circled or like put in a rectangle um, in black ink defense and rebounding wins championships. And that's how they won yesterday. I know that they won with defense and rebounding. We can talk about the offense. We could talk about Jay Powell's 16 points on five of five shooting and Elijah Saunders hitting a couple threes and Micah Parrish having a lot of offensive success, specifically in the first half and Darion Trammell and whatever you want to talk about. I mean, there's a lot to talk about offensively. And I think it's exciting when you see a team score 81 points or Jaden Ledee, you know, as good as he continues to be going up against really good player and great Osibor. But at the end of the day, it's not sexy or flashy, but it's the difference between winning and losing, and it's what you're doing at the defensive end. And this team is metrically a really good defensive team. I'm talking about San Diego State. Now, is it the exact same defensive team from a year ago? Well, maybe not, but a year ago you had you know, some of the best defensive players in the history of the school. Hold on one second. I need to cough. <coughs> My apologies. <laughs> um, I thought this might be a possibility. But, I mean, you look at um, – you know, Aztecs defensive metrics are really good, 17th right now in the country defensively, and the offensive metrics continue to improve as well. They're 47th right now, offensive efficiency at Ken Palm. This was a team a year ago, I've talked about it a lot, that was in the 70s in offense at the end of the year and in top five in defense. So the defense is still great. I mean, 17th out of 365 teams is what, top two or 3%, and then top 50 offense. So you got a lot of things that are going in the right direction right now for San Diego State. Let me take a sip of water for a second. Is there anything worse than being like a radio guy or like a broadcaster and being sick and doing a solo show? Probably not. Probably not. But first world problems, to be honest. So, um, you know, I'm trying to think about, you know, I thought they did a nice job on Asabor overall. Um, you know, Utah State is dynamic. I think their point guard, Darius Brown, is really talented. I thought Lamont and Darion did a terrific job on him um, and Utah State's complimentary pieces, you know, had some moments, but overall San Diego State did a good job defensively because again, Utah State scoring over 80 points per game, you hold them to 67. They're a top 10 field goal percentage team in America, over 50% and shooting. So I forget what I heard on the TV broadcast because I watched it back. They're shooting what 60% from two this year or something crazy like that. Um, but that wasn't the case um, because again, San Diego State, we know what it's best can defend as well as any team in the country, and I think we saw that uh, a bit on Saturday afternoon. So as you make your way into the chat, if you have a comment, um, I'll try to get to some of these chats or as many as I can here over the next uh, 20 or 30 minutes. So, um, yeah, feel free to get your comments in the chat. We can talk about the Aztecs, the win on Saturday, and what's to come here for the Aztecs. We've reached the turn in the regular season here in the Mountain West, and San Diego State is 6-3. and three. 
this game was so critical because if the Aztecs didn't win it, they would have been three games behind Utah State with nine to play. And, you know, even in talking with Dutch and his coach's show on Thursday, said, you know, we need to win this game. If we're going to win the regular season title, we have to win this game. We're not going to overcome three games in the final nine games. You wouldn't think. I mean, it's possible, but it would be very improbable. And you'd also have dropped home court against Utah State. And you'd still have to go to Logan. So, I mean, you'd be in a precarious spot. But all of a sudden, you win this game. And as opposed to being three games out, you're one game out. Now, it doesn't make it easy. And Utah State still has the, I would say, advantageous schedule. They're the only team in the top six that doesn't play at Nevada, for example. And they're also one game ahead. These they have only two losses, and Boise State right now only has two losses. So you got two teams that are a game in front of the Aztecs, but nine games to play. A lot can change. A lot can change. Um, and I don't know what the final record is going to be of the regular season champion. Is it going to be 13 and five? I think there's a decent chance it's 13 and five. And the Aztecs right now are six and three. Can they close seven and two in the second half? Won't be easy. Going to have to win potentially a game in Reno or Logan to do that. Um, or be perfect everywhere else, I guess. You could lose in Reno and Logan and go 7-0 and in the other seven games that the Aztecs still have, and that'll get you to 13-5. and But again, now there's a math equation to get there if it is 13-5, and where if you lost on Saturday, there's no equation. I mean, it would have been really challenging. If you lose that home game and now you're going to go 8-1 and down the stretch, it just gets a lot harder. And also, if you go 8-1 and down the stretch, that's probably not enough because Utah State, if they had won on Saturday, might not lose five conference games. You get my point. So, um, again, very much alive for the regular season title, which has value. There's no question about it. You, you want it if you can get it. It's not the end-all, be-all, but you want it if you can get it. Um, and then you look at these final nine games from, like, an analytic perspective. We can talk about what this all means for, like, San Diego State's resume and the NCAA tournament and where they sit right now. I think they sit with the best resume in the Mountain West. I, I really do believe that. I think you can look at some of the metrics, and they're very comparable but in terms of high-level wins, high quad one wins, along with avoiding bad losses, I think San Diego State's resume stacks up with any resume right now in the Mountain West. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case when we look at it in six weeks. Be Selection Sunday is six weeks today, so earlier in the day, 42 days from now. Um, but if San Diego State can use the recipe they've used under Brian Dutcher, and that is avoid bad losses and continue to pile up good wins <laughs> – then they should be able to be, you know, in the spot that they've been at, hopefully to this point here in 2024. So when you you break down these final nine games of the regular season, and then there's the Mountain West tournament. But in the final nine games of the regular season, I'm trying to think about it. I don't know if the schedule right in front of me. I can pull it up online, but um, you've got three games, I want to say, outside of quad one or quad two. So you still have six quad one or quad two games. The only games outside of quad one or quad two are the road games, Fresno State and Air Force, Air Force Tuesday night, those would be both quad three. Now, you might say to yourself, well, actually, Air Force right now is quad four. But if Air Force were to beat San Diego State, nobody wants to see it. Air Force would clearly be quad three because they would get a huge bump if they did that. It would be a quad three game. And then the only quad four game remaining is San Jose State at home. The other games are quad one or quad two. And there's a number of quad one games at Nevada, at Utah State, home to Colorado State home to New Mexico, uh, right now home to Boise State would be quad two. And I'm missing another game. And then at UNLV, I think would be quad two. I think I have that right. Is that right, guys? I think I have that right. So that's your breakdown. You've got, if I have that right, four quad one, two quad two, and then a couple of quad three and a quad four. And it could be one quad three and two quad four if you beat Air Force. But we're getting into some semantics. But a lot of opportunities. The key, in, in my opinion, when you look at this equation, is to avoid the bad loss. Hopefully you run into good wins because San Diego State at home is just really hard to beat. And you beat someone like Colorado State or New Mexico at home, and all of a sudden you've got another quad one win or two. If you lose a game like at Air Force or at Fresno State, that's the, that's the tough loss to overcome because you can potentially take a bit of a stumble if you stomach a loss like that, if you take a loss like that. San Diego State, by and large, for the history of the net rankings, which is four seasons, I think, has avoided that type of loss, essentially for four consecutive years. And hopefully they can do that for the final month of this regular season as well. So that's basically the breakdown. I mean, you look at Ken Palm right now, San Diego State's 20th, the net, the Aztecs are 20th. Just strictly looking at those metrics, that would put San Diego State on the five seed line 
it, there's more that goes into it than that. There's predictive metrics. Um, there's more that goes into it. There's um, the, you know, how the quality of your win, the quality of your loss, your strength of record, your strength of schedule. So I, but I do believe that if the season ended today, San Diego State's in that five seed threshold, could be higher. I think could be as high as four, could be as low as six, would be my guess. But they're sitting in that four, five, six sweet spot. I think the five seed line is where they would be if the season ended today, which means they still have an opportunity based on how they play to move up from there or obviously move down from there as well. Um, okay, let me get to uh, some of the comments that have uh, rolled in here, guys. Appreciate it. If you're here, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, we have year-round content for Aztec fans. So please subscribe if you are here. And actually, right b- before I get to these comments, Paul, I'll get back to you in a second. I do want to remind our viewers about our sponsor here on The Wrap-Up Show. Couldn't do this without the support of our viewers, whether you're here live or on replay, and also without the support of Eric Lanier at Higher Impact Financial. If you're looking for a financial planner, you got to get in contact with Eric. You can set up a free 15-minute consultation by clicking the link in the description down below. I just had a consultation with Eric last week. I'm telling you, this is really, really valuable. I don't really know the first place to start when it comes to my financial future. And Eric has made it clear for me and my family and is assisting us with you know, retirement plans um, from a tax perspective. Really, any question I had related to my financial future, Eric has been able to answer. So I'm really excited about it. I'm really thankful he took the time to do that for me and my wife and our family. And if you're looking for someone to point you in the right direction with your financial future or with your financial planning, get in contact with Eric Lanier. Uh, take it from me because I've been, uh, well, I've known Eric for the last couple of years, but we've been working together here for the last uh, handful of months. And now that I've gone through a consultation with him, really, if you want to get a better feel for your financial future, get in contact with Eric Lanier at Higher Impact Financial, set up a free 15-minute consultation. Let him know that we sent you to him. He's a San Diegan, an Aztec fan, a supporter of the channel. So if you are in Southern California and if you're looking for a financial planner, if you support this channel, get in contact with my buddy Eric Lanier at Higher Impact Financial by clicking the link in the description down below. All right, let's get to uh, some of these comments again that have rolled in and... Let me start here with Paul. I see a super just rolled in, so thank you. But Paul says, crowd was rocking the show with their red gloves, mocking the Utah student section was masterful. What a game for our team. Put a lot of things together. Nice to see everyone contribute. Yeah, it was one of those get right games, Paul. Um, I agree with you. You know, everything, they, they just look to be extremely motivated and energized. I thought one of the coolest moments of the games was when Micah hit his two threes. He put his hand to his ear, like dial it up like Adam Seiko, and then pointed to Adam Seiko, who was in the crowd yesterday at VA House in like the first or second row. So I thought that was really cool. They were clearly energized by former teammates and Aztec for Life players that have you know played on the Mesa for the last 25 years that were in the building. And then they just played well. They outplayed Utah State. They earned it. Yeah, they got to the free throw line more. Yeah, they probably had the better whistle, but the whistle was not the difference between winning and losing in this game. I think San Diego State would have found a way regardless. Um, I'll get to these comments. I do want to thank Kevin for the super chat. Appreciate you, man. Kevin, supporter of the channel. Um, appreciate you, Kevin, for the super chat. Says, excited to be a five seed and put in the East region. Yeah, that'd be nice. How about a five seed in the East, starting in Orlando, playing Charleston and Furman, and then going to Louisville and playing Alabama and Creighton. And then, yeah, if it was only that simple, right, Kevin? If it was only that simple. But yeah, I mean, a five seed puts you in a situation where um, you can have success. I mean, you can. You don't know. Nobody can predict it. We don't know the matchups. But, I mean, you just look at how it forecasts. Five is going to be a favor, favorite over 12. Not a, not a crazy favorite, but four to seven point favorite or three to seven point favorite. So you're a favorite in game one. And then you get a four seed potentially in game two. But a four seed against a five seed is almost a pick them. And maybe you're a one-point underdog, a two-point underdog. You could even be a one or two-point Favorite, and then if you get the benefit of an upset like San Diego State had last year, where Virginia lost to Furman, and then you get Furman, you get a 13 in the second round. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot worse places to be than a five seed. I'll tell you that. So, it's a very good point, Kevin. Yeah, five seed in the East. Like I've said previously here, and you guys have heard me say this, or maybe you've heard me say it on the radio, that um, I'm less concerned about seed and location as I am about matchup and draw, if that makes sense. I'd rather be a five seed in Poughkeepsie, New York, 
than a four seed in Spokane, Washington, if the five seed opponent is better is a better matchup for San Diego State than the 13th seed opponent in Spokane. So that's what matters. It's it's all matchup based. The whole tournament is matchup based. It's not seeding based or location based. Some it matters. It might be advantageous. You'd rather play in Sacramento historically than uh, New York City, but I mean Sacramento is not winning you games, is it? You're not playing the games literally at Viejas Arena. It's not like you walk out of bed and you win just because you're in Sacramento. It might be an advantage, but I'd rather have the advantage of the opponent, the right opponent strategically, than the right location or the right seed. So some of that's luck of the draw. Um, but I think a four, five, six gives you a chance to advance. And once you advance, throw everything out, right? Because once you've advanced, then you're a game away from a Sweet 16 once you advance. All right, let's get back to it. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate you, man. Really do. Uh, appreciate the super chats. You can just click the dollar sign below the chat box if you want to weigh in. I'll get to every single super chat here tonight. Um, Rich, what's going on, man? Good to see you yesterday. He says he just watched the replay. I did last night, by the way. He's my buddy, Jason Benetti, was on the call. Um, and, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought he did a real nice job. Um, I thought it was a really good broadcast on Fox yesterday. Um, and Rich says it looked even better on TV. I thought the crowd was really good on television. I'm with you. I thought the crowd was really good on television um gustavo what's going on man he says hi john great atmosphere yesterday at the game drove from tijuana viejas to watch an aztec win that's super cool that's really cool uh good game by pal and dt see you against new mexico awesome that week so this is a huge week two road games the week after is a huge week two home games and it's colorado state new mexico does it get better than that mid-february pushing towards senior night pushing towards the end of the regular season you get Back, back to back Colorado State, New Mexico. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I mean, it's, it's, the league's been phenomenal. It's been fun. I think Aztec fans are enjoying it. Um, you know, you're looking at a league that, that is very capable of getting five teams into the NCAA tournament. It's possible to be fewer than that. It's possible to be more than that. But it's very capable right now of getting five teams into the NCAA tournament. I'm enjoying it. I mean, each and every night, I'm watching so much Mountain West basketball, um, whether San Diego State's playing or off. There's good television, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturdays. Tuesday, I want to say, this upcoming Tuesday, I think it's a full slate, five games in the Mountain West, including San Diego State Air Force at 7.30 Pacific, which is an 8.30 mountain tip, by the way. Um, yeah, regarding officiating, you know, I thought the whistle um, was fine in the end. I thought there was some, you know, controversial calls initially, but this is a, it's a hard job and it's subjective. I thought they got the goal 10 wrong. Um, I thought there was a push off that Darian Trammell took. And then a moment later, I think Darius Brown hit a three and was fouled by Trammell and it led to a four point play. So there were some breaks that went against San Diego State. And then I'm sure they got some breaks. You know, it's like, we're so narrowly focused. We watched through such tunnel vision that we're only thinking about how it impacts San Diego State. I'm sure there were calls that went against Utah State as well. Um, but again, I didn't think the officiating was the difference between winning and losing yesterday. I don't know if anyone agrees or disagrees with that. Yeah, I thought the crowd was great. Um, 12.30 start, people were energized. They were there early. I thought the crowd was great. Yeah, Omar, I mean, I thought Saunders looked really good. You know, I think he only played four or five minutes in the first half because Pal played out of his mind. Um, but he did hit. Did he hit a first half three, or was that were they both in the second half? I forget. I don't know if all eight of his points were in the second half. They may have been, but I didn't notice notice him as much in the first half because of the way Pal played. I really noticed him in the second half. He had some big moments. He did um, it's something defensively, whether it was a rebound or a loose ball, and then offensively they went to him with a layup inside, and then the DT passed to him that he kind of corralled and then pulled in, and hit that three in the corner on the. Um, near side in front of the Aztec bench was a huge shot. One of the biggest shots of the game for San Diego State. So, you know, people have been critical of Elijah Saunders. I think it, we should be, you know, um, praising what he did in that game, which was um, come off the bench, which is something he hasn't done this year, and then basically be up for the moment, especially down the stretch, right? Hadn't done much until 
getting an opportunity there in the second half, and he made the most of that opportunity. And he was on the floor when the game was basically being decided. They left him out there a lot in the second half. You know, Powell was sitting for a while in the second half. And with Elijah out there, San Diego State was playing really good basketball, and he was making winning plays. Uh, Eden Art Garden Amusement Museum says, John on Sons of Montezuma, thanks so much for joining local sports analysts. So cool of you to support. You're the man. Yeah. Was on with Sons of Montezuma um, right before I came on here, the wrap-up show today. Um, I love doing it. So thank you for saying that, Eden Art Garden. I love supporting other creatives and um, supporters and fans of San Diego State and content creators and other people support my work, which I really, truly appreciate it, like Sons of Montezuma, like those of you that are here. So, yeah, I love uh, interacting with as many um, outlets and people and fans as possible. So I appreciate you saying that. I really do. Rich saying Parrish had a huge game, the blocks and the inbound steal. Yeah, I mean, Parrish makes winning plays. Um, I think he's unsung to some extent. I think he gets, um, what's the right word? Um, I, I just think unsung is probably right. I do think unsung because he doesn't often get the lead, right? There, it'll be Jaden. Um, it could be, you know, one of these guards, Reese, Darion, Lamont. But he just does a little bit of everything. You're right. I mean, whether it's a block, a steal, um, a shot, and he had some big shots. I think he was three for three out of the gates. Um, a couple of that, like, you know, those like 15 footers, you know, he hit like off an elbow, fading away. Then he hit a three. And the second half, he hit another three. He just, he played really energized and motivated. Um, and I think all of them were motivated coming off Tuesday. I don't think anyone was thrilled with how the team performed on Tuesday, whether they were a starter or coming off the bench, nobody was thrilled. Um, nobody played their best basketball, obviously. The Aztecs didn't win. So um, I think they were all motivated to turn the page, and that's what happened. And I thought Micah really did. I'm with you, Rich. I thought he played very, very well. There were so many good stories yesterday that, again, sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle, but I thought he played very well yesterday. Um, let's see. Gustavo saying top 20 in the net and Ken Palm. Great games by Micah and Saunders coming off the bench. I'm with you. I mean, that's as much of the story as anything else. Well, yes, Jay and DT was a huge story. You knew that they would be energized because those are the guys that were inserted off the bench. How do the guys that are heading to the bench handle it? And they handled it really, really well. Hopefully that continues moving forward um, because you know additional adversity is coming. I mean, it's unlikely San Diego State wins every game they're going to play from here on out, right? So that means additional adversity is going to come, whether it's individually or collectively as a team. How do they handle it? And, I mean, they've built such a culture that um, they're positioned to handle it. That's the beauty of it. I mean, it's a culture of winning and success and team over individual. And I think we saw that on display on Saturday. Um, Johnny says, Saunders finally delivered. He's been a mess lately. I mean, you do have to remember this, Johnny. And, and Aztec fans, because I think a lot of people, you know, may have similar sentiments. And I read social media. Um, Saunders barely played a year ago. You think about the forwards on that team, the Keisha Johnsons, the Iguka Ropes, the Jaden Ladies, the Nathan Menzies. He didn't have much of an opportunity. Yes, he's a, and he's a, he never redshirted. He's a true sophomore inserted immediately into the starting lineup. He paid dividends immediately. He had huge games in the first month of the season. Hit clutch threes, had a couple of games where he hit three threes. I thought, and I said earlier in the year, I think there were one or two games this year the Aztecs are not winning without Elijah Saunders. So you're not at this record, 17-5 without him. I'm telling you right now, there'd be an additional loss or two without his play. Now, has he been scoring at the same clip or playing at that same level um, over the last handful of weeks? Well, maybe not, but to be fair, he's a true sophomore going through the rigors of a first full season in the Mountain West, and that's not easy. And all these players have highs and lows, including Elijah, because everyone is dealing with it. But... You know, they, I don't, you know, I don't, I've seen what people have said and I don't agree with it. He hasn't hit from outside at the same clip over the last, let's say, six weeks as he was at the first six weeks. But um, the fact that there's been so much blame pointed towards him as to why, like, oh, he's the reason why they're losing, I, I think it's completely unfair. I, I really do. I think it's completely unfair. I don't think that um, there was something that you would pin solely on Elijah as to why San Diego State has not been having success, for example, on the road in the Mountain West. I mean, that, that to me isn't reasonable. Not to say Johnny's saying that, but I'm seeing some of that stuff on social media. I just don't think it's right. It's like you win as a team, you lose as a team. 
And has Elijah been perfect in all games? No. But have any of these players been perfect in all games? No. That's not how that's not how sports work. Um. All right. Rich thinks that social media swayed Dutch to start pal. Maybe. Who know? Who knows what goes into it? Who knows the dynamic? But. Again, I think the starters clearly came out of the gate slow Tuesday by everyone's admission. They trailed 17-4 and 21-7. And then the bench did play well at times in that game. So if there was a time to make a change, this was the time to make a change. And it worked out well. Um, Kevin said uh, her Dutch wasn't happy with what he saw from Pal during or ahead of CSU. Any more details on that? I mean, seems to be resolved from what we saw against Utah State. I don't know anything about that Kevin other than what Brian Dutcher said on his coach's show on Thursday night which was um interesting because he said he had too short of a leash with Jay on Tuesday he said he should have gotten him back into the rotation Tuesday in the second half but he said you know based on the way the game was playing and just you know um obviously you know you you all saw how animated Dutch was and he kind of called himself out and said you know you already saw how I you know my mannerisms in that game and once he you know committed i think there was the long inbound turnover they didn't show it on tv but they referenced it but they were still showing a replay but he said after that um you know they put him on the bench and he never came back and he put it on him he said i need to have a shorter memory um and he shouldn't have been on such a short leash so dutch put it on himself for pal not playing the second half on tuesday um, and then to everyone's credit, they start Jay Powell and look at the way Jay Powell responded. But I know I don't think there was anything, Kevin. And, you know, you know, as you guys know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty dialed in with it. I, I really don't think there was anything heading into Tuesday. I think that the team collectively didn't play well, but I don't think there was something with Jay Powell heading into Tuesday. And he ended up playing eight or nine minutes in the first half of that game on Tuesday. <coughs> Apologies. Um Phil says the crowd was the best of the year so far. The fans really willed the team to win. Yep, it was a great crowd. Uh, Kevin says, glad to see Saunders looking like he's having fun. The game looked like a confidence builder for him. And hopefully that is what it is. Hopefully that is what it is, Kevin, to your point. I mean, you hit a couple of threes, which he's done here a couple of times recently. Uh, Wyoming, when they left him unguarded, I think he had three threes. Yesterday, he hit two threes. So, yeah, he, he's hit a handful of them here in the last few games. Um, Kevin, you know, pointing out what we were talking about. It's a fair point. I think the Aztecs bench is providing really good value. Like the, I'm telling you, there's teams around the country, um, high-level, top-20 caliber teams. When I'm, you know, um, listening to podcasts or watching games, they talk about how how soft some benches are around the country where teams are like five-and-a-half players. They're playing five and – you know, they'll go to a sixth or six and a half guys. You know, they'll play six and throw in a seventh. I mean, San Diego State's playing nine guys. They really are. Uh, I'm with you, Rich. I thought, yeah, I didn't think it was a goal 10. There was the other bird block that was just sensational in this game. He's just he's just an energizer is what he is off the bench. I mean, he's playing with such, I don't know, uh, they're saying this in the best way possible, just such um, like reckless abandon in a good way. Like he's able to temper it and – uh, he's a really good player, especially a little bit like Saunders. And he didn't play as a freshman. So you're like, Oh, he's a sophomore. He didn't play as a freshman. He's played like, and he's been banged up this year. So how many collegiate games does bird have? It's fewer than Saunders. And he's missed a couple of games. I mean, I bet he's got 20 or fewer games in his career and he's missed some practice time. And he's had the hip and he's had the toe. I mean, I don't think you could ask for anything more out of miles bird right now. I really don't. He's playing with a lot of confidence. How about when he ripped that ball away? It could have been a tie-up, and he just like yanked it away. That was a terrific play. One of the cooler plays of the game. Let's see here. Um, let's see. Uh, Steven says, I'm so impressed that our chat room and the wrap-up show could influence the starting lineup as well as the roles and production of the players. If it was that simple, right, Steven? And like I always say, I was just saying it with the Sons of Montezuma guys, I love all the reaction um, I love interacting with people on social media. I love interacting with everyone here live or on replay on um, the wrap-up show. Um, being a being fanatical about it is a great thing. All the expectations, that's all a great thing for San Diego State basketball. The fact that people have opinions and thoughts, and that's all good. I mean, I think it's, sometimes you need to be reasonable or fair and also sometimes remember they're college kids as well. Um, you know, the, this idea or expectation, oh, they should win every single game or they win, but they should have won by more. Like, 
I mean, honestly, if someone would have told you at the start of the year, losing Keyshot and Nathan and Bradley and Seiko and a robe, and they'd be 17 and five and top 20 in the net and Ken Palm, and they'd be a top 50 offense and a top 20 defense. I mean, that's not meeting expectations for someone. That's pretty damn good. Wins over Gonzaga, St. Mary's, Utah State, top 20, Nevada, right? I mean, who's not signing up for that? Other people say, oh, I wish we were 18 and four. Really? I mean, I mean, really? Considering all the flux, all the change, all the expectations coming off a national championship game. And this isn't, I mean, this has been, this to me has met expectations, if not exceeded it. Like it's hard to match what happened last year. And truth is, if we looked up a year ago today, you'd be saying a lot of the same things a year ago today that you're saying today. Um, and they'd have very similar resumes, near identical resumes. You could probably argue, I'd have to look, that this team's resume and metrics might be a touch better than last year's team on this exact date. Now, now, last year's team would start to ascent right about now, or even later in February. Um, remember, I had a difficult loss on senior day at Boise State where they blew a six, seven, eight point lead in the final five minutes. So, um, no season is a straight line um, or is just a coronation. I mean, maybe 2020 when they were 26 and 0 or 30 and 1 heading into the Mountain West Championship game. But you get my point. By and large, you know, 99% of the time, it's a process. And this team, I think, has answered the bell. I know it's cliche, but I mean, I think they've they've done everything you could ask them to do to this point. Um, Neil says, Air Force seems like a game that's going to be similar to the San Jose State game. Let's ho hope not. I mean, yes, and you'll take the win, like what happened against San Jose State three weeks ago or whenever it was. But no, and you don't want the game to be hanging in the balance. Nobody does, right, in the final minute of regulation. And Air Force can be hard. San Diego State, I think, has won four consecutive by 10 or more there. But it's no guarantee. I mean, I think all time, SDSU is 24 and 17 there. So, like, that's good, but not perfect. And I think in more recent history, maybe seven and two in its last nine. So, again, not perfect. So, you have to be guarded, I guess, heading into it. Like, you need to be aware that because of the three point shot and because of the offense that they run and because of the elevation and because of the quick turnaround, like, you got to be aware of what's possible. And if you don't play, you're A game. You got to play an A game on the road. You play an A game, you win the game. You play a B game, I think you win the game. But you get below there, and you're, you start asking potentially for trouble. Yeah, I think, Paul, it's a very good point. I think San Diego State 11 turnovers yesterday. He, he says he'd add um, little to no turnovers as a key to winning along with defense and rebounding. I don't know. I think it's a great point. I mean, I think they have 15 at Colorado State, which, again, isn't the craziest number you've ever heard in your life. But, again, it's a tick high where if 15 becomes 11, maybe you're able to win the game potentially i thought yesterday i think they were plus one sdsu in turnovers with 11 i think utah state had 12 of them 11's a, a number you can live with there were there were stretches in the game i think there was a there was a five minute stretch where they had four turnovers in the second half um there was a stretch early where they had a couple of turnovers as well in the game but 11 i think is manageable and you can you can live with and they outscored utah state off turnovers and again were positive in turnovers 15's getting high you, you know you got to keep that thing at 12 or under home or road um, and I think that's a formula to win. Uh, Neil says Ladie should not be dribbling if we want to cut down on turnovers. I mean, listen, Ladie is gonna is asked to do a lot on offense, right? So whether it's pass out of doubles, dribble out of doubles, create for himself, create for his teammates. So he's not just gonna be a catch and shoot guy. Like he's he's gotta create. Um, and I forget how many he he had a handful of turnovers. I think he had four, maybe. Yesterday, and the turnovers are higher, obviously, in the Mountain West than they were outside the league. But I thought he made some really um, aware. He he had some good awareness yesterday. He had two early assists in the first four or five minutes. Had some good passes. Um, you know, again, I how many points did he finish with? Sixteen points, I think, yesterday. Nine rebounds. He was a rebound shy of a double double. Going up against a really good big in Asabor. So I, I thought Ladie uh, had some huge moments. Watching back the game, I mean, he had tough shots. Jaden Ladee hits tough shots. Like, not everything's at the rim, like Asabor. He's hitting 15 footers. He's hitting 18 footers. He hit a three. He's getting to the rim. He's getting fouled. He's getting the free throw line. I mean, he's doing everything. He's literally doing everything at times for this team. Uh, Johnny says Aztecs couldn't come up with the loose balls, and Utah State ended up 
with some easy two points several times, maybe early. I thought maybe early there was a play or two where the Aztecs turned it over in the backcourt um, and led to an easy run out for Utah State, but I don't think that was really a, a theme or a story yesterday. Um, my two cents. Let me get to a, a super here from T-Mac. T-Mac, what's going on, man? Thank you for the super chat. I think you were over with Sons of Montezuma with the super chat as well. I appreciate you hanging out. Appreciate your support of the channel. Guys, if you are here live or on replay, please subscribe. That's all I ask. Live or on replay if you're here, please subscribe. You're on content for Aztec fans. Smash the like button for me. Follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer. Appreciate the super chats like T-Mac. Click the uh, dollar sign below the chat box or become a member by clicking join down below. He says, Miles Bird seems to make some noticeable impact when he comes in the game. Bird and Pal both bring in extra shot blocking capability. Yeah, really good point. I mean, Bird as a guard, you're like, well, is he really going to impact the game at the rim? And he does. He's done it a lot here recently. Pal impacts the game in a myriad of ways, like Bird. I mean, Pal, the offensive rebound, rebounds with his just long arms. His ability to shoot the three ball, he shoots it really well. His free throw shooting is really good. He's just one of these energy guys, um, and it's just such an athlete, such an athlete. You know, you hear people say, well, he's, you know, he's, he's undersized for the position, but no, he's really not. I mean, he's able to, he's so agile that he makes up for his lack of weight with what that creates in terms of opportunities for him. Offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, um, just all the athleticism that he has on display, blocking ability. Um, and then he's a true stretch four because he can really shoot that three ball. And we've seen it here throughout the course of the season. T-Mac, thank you. Seriously, appreciate you hanging out today. Thank you for your support of the channel. It means a lot. Um, all right, let me get back to some uh, additional chats here that have rolled in as well. This is a very good question. Neil, I'm glad uh, you asked it because um, it's it's not um, – sometimes maybe people get confused to some extent, like what impact margin has, what impact margin has in analytics. Um, and he says, do style points affect us, such as a one-point win against UCSD and a two-point win – it was actually a three-point win in the end – against San Jose State? They absolutely do because efficiency is based on possessions which means margin matters. So the more efficient you are, the better you are per possession. So the more efficient you are, in theory, the more points you're winning games by. But at the end of the day, what is the most crucial aspect is the win. And then from there is how do you win? And when you are winning on the road, you can deal with slimmer margins because you're not expected to win by you know, a fortune theoretically on the road. Now, was San Diego State supposed to beat UCSD by more than one point? Yeah, I forget what they were, at least a double-digit favorite. I mean, I don't know the number, but it was a 10-plus point favorite. San Jose State was something similar, nine-point favorite, and they won by three, something like that. Um, but they did win the game. So, but take, that's a long way of me saying, yes, it does matter. If San Diego State had beaten UCSD by 17 and San Jose State by 17, then the Aztecs in Ken Palm and Net would be I don't know. We, you know, another spot ahead of where they are, maybe two, maybe they'd be 19th in both of those polls, maybe 18th. It's not the difference between them being 20th and second, for example, or 20th and fifth. It may be the difference between them being 20th and 19th, something like that, potentially. But again, that's not a big deal. What would be the difference between them being 20th and 30th is losing at San Jose State or losing at UCSD. Now, the UCSD win has turned out to be a really good win. UCSD is having an unbelievable season. Um, I'm going to look it up right now in the net. I want to say they're in the top 100, which is incredible. Um, let me see. Do I have that right? So they are right now. No, 106. Did they? They may have lost this weekend. I'm not sure if they did. I try to keep up. They they may have lost this weekend. Some I, I might be wrong. Maybe they didn't play. Um, but 106 is really good. So in the end, winning against a team on the road that's 106, kind of close to top 100, is, is a fine win. Again, you'd prefer to win by more, but at the end of the day, you just want to win. Um, yeah, Utah State's the hardest game left, I would say. Doesn't mean it's – we'll see if that proves to be the case. You would think on paper it's the hardest game remaining. Yeah, I mean, Logan obviously is really challenging. Aztecs won their last year, low-scoring game, I think, the way I remember it. Uh, close game, Aztecs pulled out, which is what they were able to do a couple times on the road a year ago on the way to a Mountain West regular season title. But, yeah, I mean, Utah State's not going to be easy. It, it, they'll look different. I mean, they'll have their fans. They'll have elevation. They'll have the beauty 
of playing at home and the comfort that comes with that. So can San Diego State match what Utah State is capable of doing at home? We'll find out. Um, I, have a, I have a feeling that's going to be a really good game. I have a feeling that's going to be a really good game. Uh, Neil says, we really need a quad one road win. It's adding to the pressure at home. Well, we have one. San Diego State's got one at Gonzaga, and it's a high quad one uh, road win because Gonzaga's still in the top 30 right now in the net. In terms of the conference, you know, yeah, they'd love to get a conference quad one win, but the Aztecs do have a quad one road win right now, and that is Gonzaga. Paul says, uh, they do seem to have a case of butterfingers at times, but they continue to win the games. It's when they lose that loose balls and missed free throws get us aggravated. Um, everything's magnified when a team loses, right? And everything, you can look past things when, when a team wins. <laughs> I don't know if it's as simple as that, but you kind of understand. Uh, let's see. Kevin says we get the Lobos on their travel week as their second consecutive road game, hoping that gives us a little bit more edge. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Colorado State and New Mexico home games, um, you know, obviously the Aztecs have enough motivation in both of them because they've already lost to those two teams this year. And you know how important they're going to be from a standings perspective, resume perspective, everything perspective, uh, just rival perspective, familiarity, all these things. So you don't need any additional motivation to get up for New Mexico or Colorado State, and nor will New Mexico or Colorado State need additional motivation to to play San Diego State at Viejas Arena. Let's hope the Aztecs can avenge an earlier season loss to New Mexico and a loss last year at home to New Mexico. The only time the Aztecs have lost to Viejas the last two seasons is last year against New Mexico at home by three points. So let's hope the Aztecs can avenge that coming up uh, next week. Next week. It's it's not just the Mountain West. It's college basketball. I'm with you. I think it has not been ideal in the Mountain West, putting it like, uh, lightly, just in general. Just in general. I'm not talking about San Diego State, but if you watch college basketball, and John, I know you do. I do. I mean, it's it's not great. I mean, there's some craziness going on. The, the end of Gonzaga St. Mary's the other night. I mean, there, there's it's hard. It's a hard game to officiate. It really is. It's super subjective. It's super impactful in results. Um, so I, I don't really have a solution, unfortunately, on that. Let's get to a few more here. Uh, this is funny. I haven't even looked recently, Kevin, who says, can we just take a minute to appreciate how awful Arkansas is this year as well? Where are they right now in the, I know they got off to a terrible start. Arkansas is 131 in the net. That would be 25 spots below UC San Diego. Yeah, it's amazing. The step back they've taken. And again, you can be punished when you're in a power league and you're not having a good year. It's hard to win any game. You know, you're in the SEC, really good league this year. It's hard to win. I mean, UCLA felt that for the first half of the year. They've kind of turned their season around. I think they're now 500, if not a game over 500. I think they've won five of six. But, um, yeah, I mean, Arkansas in the 130s. I mean, even if I look at UCLA right now, like where are they in the net? UCLA is 124th in the net. Like UC San Diego is 20 spots ahead of UCLA in the net. Isn't that amazing? Um, But isn't it amazing just where UCLA and Arkansas are? which again gives you more reason to kind of appreciate (laughs) the year in and year out level of sustainability and success at San Diego state. It really is incredible. I mean, it's truly incredible. Yeah. I'm with you, Omar birds of future all conference defensive first teamer. Yeah. Maybe this year, right. He's been really good. Um, Gustavo wants to know, uh, do Ladie D team Mike and Butler have another year of eligibility. Let me answer that. And I think I'm I think I'm right in saying this. Ladie does not have eligibility. Tramel does not have eligibility. Micah does have eligibility if he chooses to use it. And Butler does have eligibility if he chooses to use it. I think I have that accurate. If I'm wrong, someone put it in the chat. But yes, I believe Ladie and Tramel are out of eligibility at the end of the year. And I think Micah and Butler have eligibility. Now, that doesn't mean much regarding Parrish or Butler because they would have options. They could turn professional. Um, they could transfer or they could return. So even if they elect to use eligibility, they don't have to use it at San Diego State, as we saw like with Akisha Johnson. Or even if they have eligibility, they don't have to elect to use it because they could turn pro. So that's a long way of me saying that we have no idea if any of those players return in 2024-25. We know Ladie and Tramel do not. We don't know if Micah or Butler do. 
I didn't realize this, Stephen. I saw they won by 11. It was a close game for a while. Stanford had a lead um, at least you know, 15 or so minutes into the game. But uh, he says, Keisha got banged up in the gym today for Stanford. Looked like a shoulder. Hopefully he's all right. Hopefully he's all right. Adam, what's going on, man? Appreciate it. Um, and he says, love the change of lineup this week. Doctor listened to all of us last week telling you that he should sit Saunders and start pal. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was that, Adam. I don't know if it was the wrap-up show or the coaching decision. My guess would be the coaches made the determination. But, yes, the changes they made, and we've talked about them here over a good portion of the show, the changes they made paid off. And we'll see what it looks like moving forward and if they continue to get similar results. I think those four players combined to score 50 points and shoot 62% from the floor. The two that started, the two new starters, and the two players coming off the bench. That, that's pretty amazing productivity considering that level of, of change. He then goes on to say, hopefully Dutcher stays with this new lineup going forward. Powell came here for one year to play, and it was clear it worked out. Saunders can play less. He ain't going anywhere anyway. I, I don't know the particulars of all that. I mean, it's, it's hard to know what's going to happen in the future. Um, because I think it's very hard to predict, especially in this era of college athletics. But I have a feeling that no matter who starts or comes off the bench, they're both going to get good run. I mean, if, if you've followed this, and we've talked about it a lot, I know Adam has as well. I mean, even if one guy's getting 20 minutes, someone's getting 18, or someone's getting 21, and someone's getting 17. So you should want productivity from all of these players in the rotation. You. Like the idea that Saunders all of a sudden his playing time gets squeezed, I don't think it's good for the team. You want to be deep. You want to have a chance to use your rotation. You want to be rested. You don't want anyone. I mean, Jay Powell's not going to go from having played whatever he was playing, 15, 17 minutes to 37 minutes. So even if his minutes go up, you still have a real need for an additional four-man. So, you know, again, could – Roles change a little bit. Could minutes change? Of course they could. But again, you want all these players to play at as high of a level as possible. Yes, yeah, Stephen, we I moved fiasco. Complete disaster. Complete disaster. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, lots. Of, I know I didn't plan on it, but yes, a lot of Tritons talk for whatever reason here tonight. Uh, let's see here. GPA Tear says, hey, John, appreciate you showing up on Sons of Montezuma Live and all the love you give to the Aztec community, helping to break the partisan society in SDSU fans. You're a jewel to Aztec athletics. You're kind is what you are, man. Um, you guys know how passionate I am about this stuff. Um, that's why I launched this channel. That's why I spend as much time on social media talking Aztecs as I do. It's why I talk about as much as I do on the radio. I try to talk San Diego State basketball and or football every single day. On the radio, I think it's completely underserved uh, for San Diegans, and I'm going to continue to do that no matter what people <laughs> may think or feel because that's who I am, and I'm not going to do anything other than what I think um, San Diegans and San Diego State fans deserve. So thank you. Appreciate you. Um, okay, I think that's going to do it here for tonight. Um, we'll have more for you this week. I'll have another wrap-up show for you at some point, hopefully midweek, and then at the end of the week as well. Big week. Air Force Tuesday, 7.30 Pacific. Tune in, San Diego Sports 760. I'll pregame coverage beginning at 7 p.m. I'll be talking about it all week long. San Diego Sports 760, free iHeartRadio app. John and Jim on YouTube as well. Just search for John and Jim 760. And then Friday in Reno against Nevada. We know Reno, like, um, like most teams in this league, better at home. And they've got a lot to play for, like all these teams do, because – they're on the outside looking in, and they could use marquee wins, like beating a San Diego State potentially at home this week. And then it's back home for the huge, massive week with New Mexico and Colorado State coming to VA Hasarin. And I'm with you, Adam. Nobody's overlooking anyone. You're right. Can't overlook Air Force. Cannot overlook Air Force. Got to find a way to win that game. But appreciate you guys. Uh, everyone that has hung out here tonight, whether you're here live or on replay, like I always say, please subscribe year-round content for you. Please support our title partner here, Eric Lanier at Higher Impact Financial. I've been working with Eric. He's a terrific financial planner. He really is. He'd love to hear from you. He's an Aztec fan. He's a native of Southern California. And if you have any financial needs, set up a free 15-minute consultation with Eric by clicking the link in the description down below. But please subscribe, smash the like button, follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer, J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. If you missed it earlier on our way out, Got the brand new Catapult U shirt that supports the Mesa Foundation that I worked with on 
with Sons of Montezuma. All of the proceeds of this go directly to the collective benefiting San Diego State men's and women's basketball players. So Catapult U, um, I've been using that term on social media the last couple of years after Aztec wins, talking about where San Diego State moves up in the metrics. Um, so yeah, available if you want it. You can click the link pinned in the top of the chat or just down below as well. Below in the description, again, all of the proceeds of this go directly to San Diego State student-athletes through the Mesa Foundation Collective. All right, guys, have a great rest of your Sunday evening or wherever you are watching this, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks so much. You've been watching The Wrap-Up Show.